You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. But this morning, we're going to continue in the book of Acts. Yeah, how about it? The Acts of the Apostle, right? And we're finally into the third section of four, uh, where the theme is now living on purpose. Everybody say, living on purpose. And a couple weeks ago, in our SOAP reading, and I just want to challenge you to be reading along with us as a church, uh, every day, a couple verses, and do a little journaling. And if you want to get on board, there's uh, bookmarks on the back two tables or in the lobby. I want to encourage you to do that. But I don't, did anybody notice that we read right through the entire book of Acts? And how cool is that? Um, from May 20th through the first couple days in June. And I noticed as I read through, I hadn't read all the way through like that since last fall in preparation for the series, um, but I noticed that there was a shift coming in the book of Acts. And what we see is, first of all, the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In fact, let's turn there. At the very beginning of the book of Acts, we said we'd come back to this verse over and over and we're doing that again, and let's look at it. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. How many need the Holy Spirit? I know I do. And then it says, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea, right? And that's kind of where we started off our journey, where the Pentecost fell in Jerusalem and Judea, and Samaria, which is kind of an uh, outreach uh, of Jews, but in a different area, and then to the ends of the earth. And as we move now into this third section, as we move into chapter 13 specifically today, we're moving into the section where we're going to reach, where we're going to see the church reach to the ends of the earth. And you know what's interesting? This verse didn't stop in the book of Acts. It's, we're still seeing the fulfillment to reach to the ends of the earth. The second shift that we see is the focus on who's the primary character in the story. And uh, the first 12 chapters, the primary character was, the, uh, uh, was Peter. And uh, he was an untrained guy, a fisherman, but he was called by God, called out by Jesus. And uh, what's interesting is that this untrained guy was sent to reach the Jewish church, which was steeped in tradition and steeped in all of this knowledge, right? And so an untrained guy going to a trained church, and then chapters 13 through 28, now the shift uh, in character is the Apostle Paul, kind of moving forward. The Apostle Paul, uh, no longer called Saul, that change happens in the chapter 13. But what's interesting is that Paul was highly trained, the best trained, but he was sent to reach the Gentiles. And what's crazy, you'd think that Paul should have been sent to the Jews and Peter maybe to the Gentiles, but no, God had a different plan, and sometimes our ways don't seem to be God's ways. And that was certainly the case for each of them, but well, what was great is that each of them, they found their purpose, and they were living on purpose. Amen? Amen. So by chapter 13, a lot's happened uh, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the Holy Spirit was directing, uh, but we said that there was 14 years difference from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 13, 12 and 13. And everything from this point 
is launched from, not from the city of Jerusalem, but from the city of Antioch. And uh, the city of Antioch really became the center of sending the first missionaries. In fact, turn with me to Acts chapter 11, and we'll look at it quick, the first couple verses where we see that the church at Antioch was filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, they, but they, they were the first to send, or the first to be called Christians. Uh, look at it. It says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Everyone say Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Paul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And we read that, and if you're reading through the book of Acts, in um, Acts chapter 11, then you read 12, and then you're to 13, you might think, well, that's just you know a few days or maybe a few months. Well, in actuality, it's five years between Acts chapter 11 there and Acts chapter 13. Five years until Paul's first missionary journey. And today, what we want to do is kind of give an introduction to these missionary journeys. And after Father's Day, when we come back for the end of June and then into July, we're going to be studying these missionary journeys and just uh, gleaning from those. But today, we're going to just cover three verses. Everyone say amen, right? (laughs) Three verses, and I believe, and I'm praying that they're going to be a real impact for you. Let's look at those together. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, now the church in Antioch, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, uh, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And uh, we, we asked the Lord to bless his word. Let's do that. Lord, I pray that these few short verses and the preaching of your word, God, would pierce into hearts this morning. And God, as we take some time to be in your word, I pray that it would be very beneficial to everyone that's here. God, use me beyond my natural abilities uh, as your mouthpiece. And God, I pray that our hearts would be open to hear. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Three verses. I've got three kind of main points. The first is that uh, Antioch and their readiness. Then second, we're going to look at Paul and his readiness to be sent. And then we're going to look, the third thing is the partnership, them working together, Antioch and Paul. That's where we're headed as you follow along. But let's first, what do we know about Antioch, right? Um, how many have ever wondered about the maps? Actually, my, my Bible does not have any maps, but maybe your Bible has some maps. And you're like, what in the world are these maps doing in our Bibles, right? Well, today, let's go ahead and put up the map there. Oh, it's beautiful. And what we're going to see here, uh, as I read from Acts chapter 11, I want you to look at this and kind of follow along. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, which we see there. So they, tra- they scattered from Jerusalem, which is on the bottom right, into Phoenicia, right? And then in then they also, to Cyprus, which is the island kind of out, um, 
out in the middle of the uh, sea there, and to Antioch, which is north, right? Spreading the word among the Jews. So when they first scattered after Stephen was killed, this is where they went. Kind of went to three different areas, and they're saying, we're getting out of Jerusalem and because uh, it's dangerous here. And uh, they, so they kind of scattered, made all the way up to Antioch at the top right, uh, right of, your, um, of, your, of the map there. And then it says in verse 20, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And so now they're not only reaching the Jews, they're reaching the Greeks as well, the Gentiles, as, as we call them, and they're, they're making a difference. The Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, so they sent word back to Jerusalem saying, hey, there's some things happening up north here, uh, and uh, you got to hear about this. Jerusalem hears about it, and what do they do? They send Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived he, and saw the grace of God, what God had done, he, had glad, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, look at what it says. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. So he left Antioch, went up around the corner to Tarsus. That's where Saul was, whose name changes now in uh, chapter 13 to Paul and on moving forward. But he goes there. He found him. He brought him to Antioch. So for a full year, a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So what do we know about Antioch? It was a church plant, and it, God was moving there, and they brought great leaders there. And what is interesting, they were reaching Jews and the Gentiles, and it was five years from that point that we just read to chapter 13. The thing I want to just point out is that it takes time for a church to develop, for the foundation, for the groundwork to be laid. What did it take for the church to be ready for the first missionaries to be sent? Well, that's the first thing we want to look at, and that's Antioch's readiness. Uh, let's look at it. They, we know that there was teaching going on there. They were being discipled. Paul and Barnabas were there. These were spiritual leaders. And what's great, is, and just in leadership in general, uh, the, the people will rise to the level that their leaders are. They won't go by, uh, beyond that. But we, knew, we know that the, the bar was set high. In, in Acts chapter 13, let's look at it. They list some of the leaders that are there. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And there was Barnabas. We know a little bit about Barnabas. We have Simeon from Niger, most likely from Africa. Lucius of Cyrene. Uh, Manian, who was brought up uh, with Herod the Tetrarch. He had served with Herod. And, and that just happened just a chapter before where Herod was, was killed. But there was, there was years in between those two chapters. And now, now Manian was, was serving the Lord, was part of the team. And there was Saul. And uh, that's the last time we see Saul by verse, uh, by verse 9. It's Paul from there on, from there on forward. And I want to point out that these were spiritual leaders. They were red hot for Jesus. They loved the Lord. And we don't necessarily know their talent level or how creative they were, but we know for sure that these men 
were men of God, that they were spiritually sound. They would have been selected by the same criteria that was seen in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, when the church was picking leaders at that point. Uh, Let's just look at it quick. It says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you. Who should we choose? Well, look what it says. Who are known to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. That was the criteria. They had to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom of the Spirit. And what we see when there's Spirit-filled leaders, Spirit-filled leaders accomplish spiritual ministry. And that's what we see is happening here in Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 verse 2 says, while they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. They were worshiping, they were fasting, What I see here is that they were ministering to the Lord, as unto the Lord. They're doing it together, and they were giving of themselves, a sacrifice. They were giving their lives as an offering to the Lord. If we had to put it in a nutshell, they were living on purpose, right? And the leaders, they were worshiping, they are praying, they're giving of themselves, and and they, they weren't the type of folks that would just come to a service and say, man... Uh, I hope I receive something. They would come with a mindset saying, man, we're going to give. We're going to minister unto the Lord. We're going to give. We're going to use our gifts, use our talents. And yes, of course, they would have been blessed and and they would have received, but they were doing it as unto the Lord. I was thinking about it. We, uh, before first service, all of the ushers and all the children's workers and all the worship team and the pastoral staff, we meet in a huddle to talk about, every week we, we talk about what's coming. And uh, one of the things that we, we want to continue to focus on as Pastor Bruce leads that time is that we want to be serving as unto the Lord. And so our ushers, when they ush, if that's the way you say it, they are, they are ushing unto the Lord. Anybody that's teaching in our kids' areas or, or working with our kids, they do that as unto the Lord. Our greeters, when they give those smiling uh, smiles and handshakes and hugs, they do that as unto the Lord. Each of the pastors on staff, we are serving. We don't do this for accolades or to be recognized. We do it as unto the Lord. And what I love is that even behind-the-scene workers, they, they are never recognized. Never, there are so many things that happen behind the scenes. All of that is done unto the Lord. And that's spiritual ministry. It's not just fun and games. They're not messing around here at the Church of Antioch. They were ready. And what's interesting is that all of those things, they were played into their readiness. Spiritual leaders doing spiritual ministry. And the bottom line is Antioch, when you study that church, they were a church controlled by the Spirit of God. And that, as for their readiness to send, as their readiness to send their first missionaries as a blueprint to reach the world, this is what we got to know. That before a church can reach the world, it must be strong at home. It must be strong itself. I was talking with uh, Pastor Sam Reifkokel um, at District Council, um, and some of you know who that is. He's a pastor at Grand Rapids First Assembly. 
uh, just about 40 minutes from here. A nice, a really beautiful church and uh, doing some neat things. We actually, District Council was in Lansing this year at Mount Hope Church, and they had just finished a renovation project, and the sanctuary looked incredible. All the carpets were just immaculate and just gorgeous. I mean, it was really stunning. And I was standing around in one of the uh, break times, and uh, Pastor Sam came up, and we were chit-chatting, and I just made the comment. I said, man, look at what they've done here at Mount Hope in regards to their facilities. And, uh, and we both were you know, like, wow, man, uh, this is really amazing. Uh, they had spent millions of dollars to, to th- keep things fresh and looking sharp, and uh, it was really stunning. And Pastor Sam said something to me uh, that I hope I never forget. And Pastor Sam, again, is at First Assembly in Grand Rapids, and they do the same thing. Their facilities are sharp and just uh, really, really cutting edge. And, but he said this. He said, you know, Ben, if you're going to be a strong missions church, and he knows our heart to be a missions church, to be a giving church, uh, to be sending people, uh, all those things. He says, if you're going to be a strong missions church, you have to be strong at home. I thought, man, that's good. And as he talks about that, we've got to keep things sharp here. And, uh, the, and we're talking about money spent on our church property and, and outside, inside, and even in our new facility as, we, as we're preparing. Uh, that's going to be a key to make sure that things are sharp. But it, that's not all that he meant by that. Not only strong from a facility standpoint, but there needs to be a strength spiritually as well. We have got to be spiritually strong before we send anyone out. And so when we talk about spiritual strength, where does that come from? It comes from an appetite for the things of God. And I just want to challenge us, each of us, what does your appetite look like for the things of God? Are you excited to pray each and every day, spend some quality time, just you and the Lord? Or when you're reading in your soap reading, as you're going through and something catches your eye, are you willing to spend the extra time to investigate or to to go a little deeper? Or are you willing to serve? Is your appetite to serve strong? Are you controlled by the Spirit or are you controlled by the flesh? Well, the church at Antioch was controlled by the Spirit, and because of that, they were ready to send Paul and Barnabas. Their readiness was high. And I just want to mention that there are churches that will function and operate without the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? And it's a total negative. Uh, There's carnality. There's no appetite for the things of God. They become rigid, inward focused. Uh, Churches that don't have the Spirit of God moving uh, become inflexible. They don't want more of the Spirit. They don't have a heart for God or a willingness to walk in the will of God. And uh, I pray that we would never move into that, uh, that, I, that way or that type of description. But the church at Antioch were just the opposite of that. They were spirit-filled. And I just want you to know that a life of a church, it depends on the spirit. 
the Spirit of God and what He's doing. And to be healthy, you must be controlled by the Spirit. And the Antioch, they were primed and they were ready to go. I don't know if any of, any of you are car people, uh, but I, 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 I like cars. And I remember one of my first cars had a prime, uh, primer that you had to actually pull the choke out uh, on the dash before you'd start it and then kind of feather it in to get it going. I have not drove a car with a carburetor for a long time, but this last week I was helping sell a boat and the boat had a carb, two carbs on it, two big engines. And, uh, and so I was talking with my dad. I'm saying, hey, dad, how do you get this thing started? He said, you got to pump it a little bit and get that gas going. So when the, when the ignition fires, there's something to ignite, right? And that's exactly where the church at Antioch was. They were pumped, ready to go, and they were ready to send their first missionary. That's Antioch's readiness. On the second side, the second point is that Paul had to be ready himself, and, Paul, and Barnabas as well. But let's talk about Paul for a moment in his first missionary journey. He was the first missionary to be sent. What do we know about Paul? We've talked about this as we studied through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, we know that he was a persecutor and a murderer. Uh, he was on his way to Damascus to put more Christians in jail, and he was blinded on the road. He was brought to town, and, uh, and he was prayed for. He received the Holy Spirit, verse 17. In fact, uh, turn with me there to Acts chapter 9. Uh, let's look at it here, uh, what happens. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 17, says, Then Aeneas went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, would become Paul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we believe his salvation experience happened on the road to, uh, to Damascus. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something fell off of his eyes. And so he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. And we talk about the importance of baptism when we studied this section of Scripture. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Let's continue. Paul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? They're saying, man, can we trust this guy? Yet Paul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Paul had a 180-degree turnaround where he was persecuting. Now he's teaching about Jesus. What do we know about Paul? We know that he was discipled in that season. He was growing. and The church learned to trust him. It took some time. It wasn't overnight. We know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, which is an absolute key to missions. It's, it's not an option. Uh, it's like, well, can we go without being filled with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit with us. In Acts chapter 13 through 28, we're going to see how important that is throughout uh, the rest of the book of Acts. We're going to see how the power of the Holy Spirit is at work. And in regards to Paul and his readiness, it took time. 
And uh, it wasn't just days or months. It took years of preparation before he was sent. You say, well, wasn't he called right there on the road to, to Damascus, right when uh, Aeneas was praying for him in Acts chapter 9? And yes, he was. He was called right there, and it was very clear what his calling was going to be. Let's look at it. Verse 15, Acts chapter 9. says, go to this man. This is the Lord told Aeneas, or Ananias. I've been saying his name wrong. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. That's his calling. And to their kings and to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he will suffer for my name. And so he was called way back in Acts chapter 9, but it took years before he was appointed and sent as the first missionary. And the same was true for Barnabas. It took some time. And you know what? I was thinking about it and praying and just discerning over these verses. A big piece of Paul's readiness, I believe, was the fact that Paul was not just sitting on the sidelines, just soaking it up in Antioch. No, he was teaching. He was giving of himself. Antioch did not just grab Paul off the shelf and dust him off and say, well, Paul will do. We need to send somebody. No, he was one of their finest. Paul found out what God was doing, and he, he joined up with his heavenly father. Paul became one of the most passionate workers, most passionate servants in the church. And Paul never stopped working, never stopped serving. And because of that, God used him mightily. Paul lived at a high standard. He was growing. He was being used by God. He understood what it meant to be a living sacrifice. In fact, he wrote about it in Romans chapter 12, where he said, he said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, right, of, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. Paul understood what it meant to live on purpose. As I was thinking about this and trying to apply it to my life and for each of us, I would say that just like Paul we want to be used by God, don't we? God has a wonderful plan for each and every one of us. God has more for us. Do you believe it? One commentator was commenting, I guess that's what commentators do, right? And said that a lot of Christians believe in their calling. They're saying, hey, I'm going to work hard and provide for my family and I'm going to raise my kids. And the commentator goes on to say, look, even lost people do that. We are called to do even more than that. And I love that. We're called to more. Don't you think that God has more for each of us? We are to let our light shine wherever we go. And that's what happened here Paul, Barnabas, they're both used by God, being used by God, and God plucks them out. Let's look at it again, Acts 13. In verse 1, there were prophets and teachers, and five of them were listed. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were, they were in the presence of God. They were serving as unto the Lord. 
the God said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. And then let's look at verse 3, where now not, a, not only is Antioch ready, Paul is ready, but now there's a partnership here. And this really makes a lot of sense. So after they prayed and they fasted, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. There was a partnership between Paul and the church to advance the kingdom. They were sent off and they sent their absolute best. They didn't pick someone off the side that wasn't engaged. No, they said, look, who would advance the gospel the best? And they sent the best. And uh, some might say, man, if they were concerned about attendance or concerned about money, why would they be sending their best? Listen, when you send your best, God replaces with two or three more. And I believe that's what happened in Antioch. But Paul and Barnabas, they were willing to go and the church was willing to send. They were working together in partnership. And that sending was not only prayer support, but also financial support. And what's interesting as I was thinking about it is we do something here at the Gateway Church. And uh, as you continue to track with us, we'd call it the Royal Gateway Welcome. When we have missionaries come in, we, we stand and we scream and we shout and we whistle and we, we holler at our missionaries and we acknowledge them. And when we do that, what we're saying and what I want you to know is that we're saying, look, we are standing with you. We applaud you, missionary. We are behind you in support and in our prayers. And that's why we do the Royal Gateway Welcomes the way we do, because we know the importance of that partnership. And the partnership from Antioch and then the church and church sending Paul and Barnabas, it was so important. You say, why was it so important that they would work together? And the biggest reason is because there was certainly going to be opposition coming their way. In fact, I want to encourage you to read again over the next couple of weeks the three missionary or the four missionary journeys of Paul. And as you read ahead, you can just assume that opposition is going to happen. And the reason that opposition is going to happen is because the enemy, he hates the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so there's lots of it. The enemy opposes, but just know this, that God is greater than anything that the devil can throw our way. And when he throws internal opposition from within, in, 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 there's definitely some of that we're going to see over the next couple chapters. Uh, know that God is bigger than that. When there's external opposition and persecution, God is bigger than all of that. The key for that partnership is to guard our hearts, that not let any bitterness or gossip, but only unity to stand that that partnership is strong when we are unified. Where there's unity, church, there's an anointing. Where there's unity, there is life. And without that, Satan gets a foothold and can wreak havoc with a church or with a family or with an individual. And that's just the truth. So as we wrap up today, a big takeaway for me is this idea that there's no greater joy than seeing God working. God working in the church, God working in individuals, where there's a partnership. Let's think about it, even seeing God work in a business, maybe uh, that, that you have, where there's a godly center, that when God is at work and that business is working as unto the Lord. 
or another thing that we can look and say, boy, look at how special that is, is when a marriage is working properly, husband and wife, that God is at work. And uh, when there's no greater joy than seeing that work well. I, I, was, I love even what the RV mappers are doing right now. They're serving as unto the Lord. And we've got a few uh, uh, here, second service, a, a few first service as well. But there, there's, it's a great joy to watch these workers work on our building together in unity to bring all these pieces together. I love seeing our hospitality team and our kids and even on, on Wednesday nights moving forward in the summer, our youth team, uh, our leaders working together. There's no greater joy than seeing people work as unto the Lord, living on purpose. And the truth is, for every single one of us, wherever God has placed you, it is a mission field. Your family is a mission field. Your neighborhood is a mission field. It is God's design for you to be a light in those circumstances. You are uniquely ordained by God. You have been planted to grow and to live on purpose. Do you believe that? That's the word of God for you today. And as we close, I want to close with some celebration ideas and then a quick challenge. First of all, as we grow as a church, as we continue to be strong, the strength of the Gateway Church moving forward is that we must be strong at home. We've got to be activated here and living on purpose. And where we see that happening, there are so many things to celebrate. We see people stepping up and starting to serve. Uh, we've got people adding to our teams um, uh, at this season, and it's incredible to see. And I just want to celebrate that and applaud that. Uh, some of you have started for the first time reading with us in the SOAP journey, uh, in where we, you're reading two chapters a day and then doing a little journaling. I wanted to say, keep it up. God, he's going to honor that. He's going to help you to continue to grow in that. For the first time, I've seen some people talking about God, talking about spiritual things in their workplace or even at their homes. And even though it might be a small, little things, those things are going to create momentum. And I want to encourage you, and we celebrate those activities absolutely. Inside the church, I see people giving of themselves. And uh, they, I love it when people say, man, we're going to come and we're going to find a way to be a blessing to someone every time we come. Whether we're serving or not, we might be on an off Sunday, but I'm going to be a blessing to someone. Coming to church with that mindset is, makes all the difference. It's not all about you. How can you bless someone else? And then certainly outside of the church, being intentional with your relationships, uh, being a light. We celebrate these things, but we just acknowledge, Pastor Bobby and I were talking about it, that it's not easy to do some of these things. And sometimes if it's a first step or if it's a, you're like, man, it's been a long time since I've shared or it's a long time since I've served or it's been a long time since I've done something in this way uh, that we're celebrating. Listen, the first step may not be sturdy, but the more you do it, the better you'll get. And I want to encourage you to continue to do it, continue to do the work, and God, he will bless it. And that leads me to the challenge of how we want to close. And Pastor Bobby, you can come. 
I want to encourage for some to keep up the good work. Keep on stepping out in faith. Keep on moving forward with the Lord. But for some others, we got to get you going. we got to get you active. And we want to help you to do that. For some, maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart outside of the church to start to give of your time, maybe with the PTA or with a band boosters or something like that. For others of you, maybe you've raised your kids and you've got great kids and, and you've been a great parent and now the Lord's calling you to come back and connect with, with Rachel, our director, and, and give of your time there and help with parenting today or, or serving in the ECM, Early Childhood Ministries. Or for some, you might say, man, I've been a part of a small group and now it's time to step up and to host a group. And we would encourage you to be considering that, to be praying with us for the team that we are going to have for the fall. We want you to be living on purpose. Our encouragement is to come alongside you and to fan those flames. Some of you may have received in the mail a little uh, postcard this week about the hospitality team. And you see, maybe you read it and it says, you know, we'd love for you to be a part, to explore the possibility of being with our hospitality team, right? And there's a team meeting this Tuesday. There's some neat things that are changing with our, the way we're greeting, the way we're welcoming people. And we want to talk about that. And maybe you dismissed this, but this morning the Holy Spirit's prompting you saying, man, I could do that. I could give up my time. I'd like to be a part of that team for hospitality. For each of us, we want to find ways to be engaged. If you've been on the sidelines, it's time to get in the game. And I would just want to say this, and it may be prophetic for some that are here, that as you get in the game, as you are being used by God, don't be surprised if God plucks you out and sends you right here from the Gateway Church as a missionary. And I say that with all sincerity in my heart. The first 10 years that I was pastor here, we really strengthened our, our missions uh, to, a strong, uh, to a very strong ministry. We've been here almost 12 years now, uh, Jessica, my family, and, and I. When we moved into our, that second 10 years, so from ele- year 11 to year 20, I really felt like the Lord put it on my heart that we would not only be a church that supports missions uh, globally in a strong fashion, but we would become a sending church. And for some of you, you've heard me say this before, and uh, but I want you to know that God, He sends the best. And I'm looking at some of the, you guys, and some and I, I look at your situations, and we've got some sharp, sharp people, and many of you are engaged, and we applaud that. We celebrate that. Others of you, I'm saying, hey, come on. But listen, as we engage, as we serve, don't be surprised if the Lord puts it on your heart to go, to wrap it all up. A little later this summer, we're going to have a friend of Pastor Bruce's, uh, the Strongs. Uh, what's their first names? Bill and Karen Strong are going to be with us. And they were a couple that uh, in the marketplace, they raised their kids and uh, always loved missions. 
and after their kids were gone and married off, I think, they literally sold everything and now are serving in Nicaragua. That's the story of the mappers too, isn't it? Like, you're like, hey, this is our life. We, we served as uh, construction professionals, and now that we're retired, what could we do for the Lord? And you got busy, and your churches sent you. And it's going to happen again and again here. And it's not like we are going to hold on to people so, so strong. Listen, we hold you, sharp couples, with an open hand, saying, Lord, there's a place for you here, but don't be surprised. If, we, if you get plucked up and we send you as the Lord leads. And so we want to challenge each other that this is our call as we move forward. We've got to be strong at home, but don't be surprised if, he, if the Lord sends us for his glory, for his honor. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful that you have created us. You help us find the purpose and now as we, t- we discussed the idea of living on purpose, I pray that you would just challenge each person here. Lord, I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are speaking to hearts and lives today. You're challenging us to get busy, to get in the game. For others, you're encouraging us along. You're celebrating what, what we're doing, and you're fanning the flame. Lord, we do this for your glory, for your honor. It's not about us. It's about you. And Lord, I pray that you just put your hand upon us as a church and continue to bless us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Now with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, this is the day of salvation. It's the first step to get engaged, to get in the game in regards to what the Lord wants to do in your life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, or maybe you're away from the Lord and you're coming back to the Lord, you're saying, man, I need to get my life right with Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity. Would you just lift up your hand? We want to pray with you. If you're here and you don't know the Lord or you're coming back to the Lord today, slip up your hand. We want to pray for you. Who here second service? Say, yes, I want to respond in this way. Anyone at all, just give you a moment to respond. Just lift your hand so I can see. Anybody at all? Okay, yes, yeah, thank you. Got one lady over here on my left. Anybody else saying, yes, that's me? All right. Well, for the sake of the one, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not the words in this prayer that saved anybody. It's really believing it in our hearts. And if I could just speak to the lady that, that raised your hand as you repeat this with us as a congregation, just know that your sins will be forgiven if you believe and you put your trust in Jesus and if you accept him as your Savior. So let's just pray this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Would you save me? Take away my sin? Make my heart clean. I believe in you, that you died on the cross, and you rose from the grave. I put my faith in you today. Help me to live for you every step of the way. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. And we rejoice with the angels in heaven just when one comes to the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Awesome. God is good. God is good. Well, the way I want to close is thinking about our next steps, dedicating our lives to the Lord. And again, for some, you're saying, man, I'm already doing the work, and we would applaud that. And don't be afraid of new assignments or new ideas that approach. But for others, it's a, hey, let's get going here. Let's let God use you. Let's get in the game. I want everyone to stand right where you are, and I want you to put your hand on your heart. We're not going to take the time for, for, the, for me to place my hand on each and every one of you, but symbolically, I want you to imagine me coming up, up and praying a, this prayer of blessing over you as you engage and as you leave from this place. Let me pray. Lord, I pray right now that as we are about to leave out of these doors, we understand that we are moving into a mission field. Today at lunch, uh, as we get lunch, our server is our mission field. Or in our family this week, or at work on Monday, uh, or whatever the case, in our home, we are called to live for the Lord. And Lord, we are asking that you would put your hand upon our hearts, that you would anoint us for the task at hand. And Lord, help us not to get distracted, but keep you at the forefront of all things. And I pray that you would use us mightily according to your goodness. And Lord, as we're sent, even from this place, for this week, God, I pray we're sent as missionaries into a dark, dark world. Put your hedge of protection around us. Go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. We pray it. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Tonight, right here at the Gateway Church, is Sunday Night Live, 4 o'clock. It's really this afternoon. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.